I'd like you to take your scriptures and turn over to Revelation 3.20 and just hold that. Um, we're going to get into uh, this series continuing called One Life. And what this is all about is I want you to think about, if this is your first time with us, I want you to think about what it would be like if you would start to focus on one person right now that you know in your family, uh, a, f- a friend, somebody at work that desperately needs to experience the love of Jesus Christ. Because that's what One Life is all about. It's just saying, who is it that God has put in your sphere of influence that you can think of right now that they need to experience the love of Jesus Christ? And what would that look like? I want you to think about all three of the campuses and the the fourth worship service, the Hispanic group. If everybody really started to think about just one person in the cluttered world that we live in, what if you could cut through the clutter and, and just say, God, I really want you to reveal one person, one person that needs you, and let me be the one that can help them find Christ. That's every one of our responsibilities. So let's pray before we get into that. Heavenly Father, we come here this morning and we pray for courage. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we will learn the power of discovering other people's stories. And Lord, you were the perfect example, the time that you invested to listen and the time that you invested to love. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I love that. You've probably heard the name Gary Poole. He's the gentleman who put together this six-week series that our church is going through called One Life. And in the three weeks here, uh, I love the practical points. Number one is developing friendships. We dealt with that last week. Today, we're going to talk about discovering stories. And then next week, discerning next steps. So when people say, I don't even know how to take the next step, we want to help you with that and finding out and learning about other people's stories. I read this quote by Paul Zak, and he is the director of Center of Neuroeconomics, and here's what he said. We discovered that there are two key aspects to an effective story. First, it must capture and hold our attention. The second thing of an effective story, does it transport us into the character's world. So in other words, if you're going to discover someone's story, are you willing to get in their shoes and get into their world? That's a great question. I'll tell you, I heard an incredibly profound question and is at Crescent Donuts last week. Now, you can probably tell I like Crescent Donuts, but when I went in there, the guy from the back was yelling out to the front. He goes, you know, how old is too old to dress up and get candy for Halloween? Now, we've all wondered that profound question. And she said, oh, I I don't think there's an age limit. He goes, oh, I think there is. You know, so, and and you've probably been like us. Uh, You're handing out candy, and there's the guy that's 6'5 with a beard. You're like, really? I know you can beat me up. Do you need need my candy? You know, we've all had that question. So here's the next question. Uh, How old is it until uh, adults shouldn't dress up at all? Is there an age? Well, here's what I found out from first service. A lot of people like to still dress up. How many of you like to dress up? Anyone? I can see first services where the life is at. Okay, so there's still a lot of adults. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this. Is a, there, there's a pretty amazing thing out there called Comic-Con. Maybe you've heard of it. Comic-Con started in 1970. There were 100 people who gathered. They had a love for superheroes and comic books, and they wondered if there were other people who loved the same thing. So they had their first convention. Now, it's grown quite a bit since then. 2016, in San Diego, where it originated, there were 120,000 folks who visited that one specific Comic-Con. Now, 
There's 700 events on the calendar a year. It is a multi-million dollar business. I want to show you a picture of somebody. Yeah, there we go. That's Todd Edwards right here on the right. Yeah, so now here's the thing about Comic-Con is it's adults who what? They just love somebody else's story. They love that there's a hero. They'll dress like a hero. We love heroes. All of us are willing to do some pretty crazy things if we really want to discover somebody else's story. That's why this morning we're going to look at two significant ways to discover other people's story. And the first one is simply this. Start with a table. Start with a table. Revelation 3.20. Let's read this together, okay? By the way, first service did not... They, I hate, they were terrible. They didn't read very well at all. So I want you to, can we step it up? Okay, so we're getting ready to read this together. Don't leave me hanging. Okay, ready? Here we go. Revelation 3.20. Ready? Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, just think about what Christ is saying there. Jesus is saying, I can't wait for you to sit with me at my table. Now, my wife isn't here today. We had a, uh, a wedding in our family in Illinois, and, uh, and so this is our kitchen table. <laughs> That's why I brought it in today. So anyway, this is our, she would say, that stupid old thing, I can't believe you brought it in. Anyway, you know. Yeah, I like it too. So here's what you need to know about this kitchen table. Uh, I was thinking about all the things that have happened. The first thing is all of the dinners that have taken place at this table. Now, I don't know about you, but my wife, when we got married, I grew up with uh, TV dinners. And so uh, I thought that's how it was going to go into our marriage. And right away, my wife said, couple rules. Number one is you always come to the table at dinner time, turn the TV off. And I'm like, hey, I'm the man of the house. So for 30 years, I turn the TV off. I come right to the table. And the kids come to the table. Phones turned off. You know, everything is off, off, off. And then we, we talk. Now, I would love to say that it's always engaging conversation. It's not always. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things that have happened on this table. I think of all the birthdays at this table. I think of all the holiday meals at this table. I think of the bills that we paid and the bills that we couldn't pay. I think of the long conversations. I think of the funerals that I've written at this table and the weddings that I've written and the sermons that I've written, the little decisions and the big decisions in life. All right, there's some marks on this table. This one was major marks from last year. I, was, uh, I took this mat out and I carved out all these uh, places to put ticket stubs for my son. Our goal is to go to every major league baseball park. In the, and I thought that was awesome. And then my wife said, what idiot scratched all of these things in the table? Now, see, I know when she said that, she knew who the idiot was. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Now, I know. So we have disagreements at the table, but there's a lot of life that happens at the table. And if you're going to try to discover someone's story, let me issue this one challenge. Do it at a table. In fact, I can't tell you, over the years, uh, I would go to visit a family. Uh, Marie and I would be sitting at their kitchen table. And you'd be in the most amazing conversation. And then somebody would say, let's go in the living room where it's more comfortable. And guess what happens to the conversation? For some weird reason, it kind of goes away. 
There's almost something sacred about your table. How many of you here have a special table? Am I the only one that has one like that? Good, two of you. Okay, so I'm just telling you, there is something powerful about a table. And there's something, I think, powerful of the example that Jesus... Think of all the time that Jesus invested in those disciples. Let me give you an example. His public ministry was about three years. It's estimated that Jesus walked 3,125 miles during those three years. He fished with them. He cried with them. He shared his mission with them. Jesus is always investing in those disciples. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book years ago, a business book called Outliers, and there was a theory called the 10,000-hour theory. Now, here's how that theory plays out. If you are gifted at something and you commit 10,000 hours of practice to that specific gift, you can actually be world-class at that giftedness. Now, it's something you're gifted in. You see what I'm saying? Like if I took 10,000 hours and I'm going to train to play basketball and dunk a basketball, I've just wasted 10,000 hours, okay? All of you in this room are gifted at something. And Malcolm Gladwell said, and he used the Beatles as an example. Years ago, the Beatles were popular, but then they had to go to Germany. And when they got to Germany, they only had about seven or eight songs. And they said, no, no, you need to play like 15 or 20 songs. You've got to ramp it up. You've got to write new material. And you play every day, twice a day. Well, guess what? The Beatles got incredible when they went back to England. Now, what does that have to do with the table? Think of how many countless hours Jesus invested in those disciples. John Ortberg, uh, he did some tallying, and he came up with this figure that he estimates in those three years, Jesus invested over 10,000 hours with those disciples. Think of how many times he sat at the table with those disciples. Think of all the homes that Jesus sat in. There's something holy about the table. You know who figured this out? Let me give you an example. Starbucks. There are six Starbucks in Bloomington. And here's what we all know about, uh, some guys call it five bucks. Here's what we know about <laughs> Starbucks. You know what we know about it? You're not about, and they're not banking on the coffee. You know what they're banking on? Your experience. In fact, listen to their mission statement. Our mission is to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person at a time, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. Matter of fact, isn't that the mission of the church? It's kind of sad that it's a coffee shop that figured this out. There's something powerful about the table. Some of you have probably read the writings of Bob Goff. His wife's name is Maria, and she's recently wrote a book. And Bob Goff uh, talks about putting love in action. He's just a great author. But they have done something, and I love this tradition. They have a beautiful table in their home, and they're having friends over all the time. And at the end of every meal that they have together with friends, they ask them, if they haven't been there before, would they sign the bottom of their table? And they'll have people take out a marker like we sign our little baptism tank, and they sign it because it's just a reminder to us how valuable the conversations are at this table, the table. That's how you discover people's story. Uh, I'm a people watcher. Uh, I bet some of you are too. Uh, in case you don't like to watch or you want to learn, a good place to start, uh, Walmart after 11 o'clock at night. Just go check that out. Great for people watching. 
But I'll tell you, one of the other places that I love to watch are like coffee shops. And I love to watch the difference between how men and women communicate. Uh, women, they'll get at the smallest tables and they lean into one another. I love your hair. You know, they, they just get so close. Men are like leaning way back. You know, they got their arms out here. And I was talking to Ken Mitchell about this one time. And he said, oh, John, I figured this out years ago. He said, women do great face-to-face. He said, men do a lot better side-by-side. And I'm like, you know what? I think you're onto something there. Because I thought about some of those meaningful conversations I've had with guys. You know what it is? Two o'clock in the morning, coming back from a ball game in a van. Or sitting in a boat, sitting around a campfire. I don't know what it is about guys, but we do better side-by-side. My wife does much better, you know, face-to-face. She wants to see me cry. You know what I mean? She, you know what I'm saying? Face-to-face. But we need to understand that Jesus taught us a valuable lesson. There's something about the table. So let me ask you something to think about. If Jesus this week was sitting at a table with you, what would you want to discuss with Jesus? I mean, what is it you want to know? My guess is some of you wouldn't say a thing. Probably like me, you'd just cry the entire hour. Maybe some of you right now, you have some questions for Jesus. And what I love about Jesus when he walked on this earth is the time that he spent with people and said, go ahead, ask the questions, because I'm here to listen. Which leads me to uh, Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine and the best meats and the finest of wines, the ultimate table. God wants us to be at his table, and I think that's amazing. I want you to listen. Uh, We have a video here. I want you to hear somebody's one life story at this time and the power of relationships. I grew up in the church with a very Christian family. I grew up just going to church every Sunday, being involved in things, and as I got older and into college, I kind of drifted away a little bit. Life can be kind of hard sometimes, so that negativity and the toxicity of this world just kind of got the best of me. I was still going to church, just going through the motions of everything, but I wasn't really, I didn't have a relationship with Christ. About sometime in February, a physician that I work for kind of noticed that things were off, and she kind of pulled me into her office and she just asked me, hey, what's going on? I've been praying for you. You're not right. Something is not okay. I told her I was just lost and had totally stopped praying. From there, everything completely just fell into place. She's been a huge Christian mentor for me. Every day I get text messages or a phone call with new scripture for the day or a new devotional. Life is not perfect and it was not intended to be, but with Dr. Doyle pushing me in the right direction, I have learned to cope and to just pray it out. Trusting can be so hard, but it's so worth it. She kind of just walks with me through life, and on April 30th of this year, I was re-baptized. I was baptized when I was 10. I didn't really know what that meant, the significance of it when I was 10. I did it because I felt like it was something I had to do, and life is totally different since then. If there's somebody in your life that you just want to reach out to, and you just know that something's off, or that you want to kind of just make a difference in their life, just do it. Don't let fear stand in the way. I think everybody's story has a purpose, and everybody's history, don't be ashamed of that history, because you never know if what you went through could impact somebody later on down the line. 
I love the, the One Life stories. And if you noticed, it was the power of just paying attention. Just putting yourself in somebody else's life. And think of the impact that, uh, that her boss had on her by just seeing something was off. And that I've been praying for you. Here's the second way that you can discover somebody's story. And that is just learn to listen. Just learn to listen. I have another scripture for us to read together, and it's James 1.19. James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I do not like that scripture. Am I the only one? I mean, I read that, I'm like, I'm not using that. You know, I, because that one, that one gets me straight to the heart. Quick to listen, slow to speak. I read this quote, I love it. It says, the biggest communication problem is we do not listen to understand. We listen to reply. What I loved a few weeks ago when the panel was here and they asked, do you want to have spiritual conversations? And do you remember, everyone on the panel said, absolutely, we would love to have spiritual conversations. But they also said, loud and clear, we would like you to listen. And that's hard sometimes. <clears throat> Listening is not easy at all. That's why I just want to share with you, and this is more from 30 plus years of ministry, and it, it, this is mostly, these are areas that I have had to work on over the years. Uh, this is, I've got my act together. These are just things that I've learned that I want to share with you that I would just call some keys to being a good listener. Here's the first one. It's just be present. Be present. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it's eye contact. And here's a big one <clears throat> is when you meet with someone, put your phone away. Don't put it between you. Put it away. Now, if you, if you are expecting an emergency call, I get that. Matter of fact, it's good to say, hey, I just got to let you know that I'm expecting a potential emergency call, so if it's okay, I'm going to put my phone here. But I can't tell you how many times I've been with someone, and, and I bet you've had this happen, and you're in the middle of a really intense conversation, they'll go, whoa, whoa, they'll put their hand up, wait a second, I got to talk to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what's that make you feel like? Like, oh, I'm glad I'm valuable to you, you know? Now, think about when you meet with somebody and you allow the phone to drive your priority. So put the phone away, seriously. It's just a simple thing to do, but it's a huge move. And then this is one that I have to work on constantly when I'm listening. Don't dwell in your mind on what's next. Like my mind's going, okay, yeah, your life's falling apart, but at 4 o'clock I got to do this. And then at 6 o'clock I got to pick up the kit. And then it's, okay, see what I mean? You're already way ahead in your day. Just put that behind you. Like mentally, just think, I am all in. I want to hear everything that you're saying. I want to be present. Second of all is just focus. Focus. Beware of the, what I call this, the eye trap or the quick fix. Now, here's what I mean by the eye trap. Have you ever been talking to someone and you share a struggle and it's like they parachute in with a story that beats your story? Then I drive you nuts, like, you're going to go, oh, man, I had my wisdom teeth pulled. And oh, please. I had both my wisdom teeth pulled, and I had a massive heart attack the same day. And they beat your story. You know, don't be that person. Don't be like, yeah, I know, I know you've got it hard, but let me just tell you my story. 
okay? Allow someone to actually share their story. And here's a big one. I'm, I'm especially speaking to men. Don't always listen with the idea of, I'm going to fix it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of your problem. I remember I, got, I heard, this is from a dad, and I thought this was so wise. He's got a 20-something-year-old daughter, and he said, uh, when my daughter comes to me, and I know she's really upset, I always begin the conversation by asking her, is this a, Daddy, I want you to just listen conversation, or is this a, Daddy, I need advice conversation? Because he said, that's how I'm going to listen right now. And sometimes she'll say, I just need you to listen. Good. But if she says, I'm going to need some advice, it's like, okay, then I'm going to listen to give advice. And I thought, boy, that is just a wise thing to do. And the third thing is the power of following up. Uh, when I was in Illinois, I had a, one of our elders, I prayed with him every Wednesday. And I noticed he was so good consistently of sending me an email or a text saying, hey, I want to know how this is going, or I want to know how that is coming along, or how's your son's da-da-da, or your daughter. And I'm like, wow, he follows up so well. So I asked him one, I'm like, how do you do that? And he says, well, John, I, on my calendar, every day I list certain people, certain organizations. So he said, you're Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I'm praying for you. And so I just, that helps me writing it down. Matter of fact, I was reading something on listening skills, and they said in conversation, as you're talking to someone, you shouldn't never write anything down. And I got to be honest with you, I don't agree with that. Because sometimes as I'm talking to someone, I'll ask, is it okay if I write that name down? Because that's the only way I'm going to remember it. Now, some of you, that may not be an issue at all, but it is so important at times to follow up. Think in your own life when you've received a text or someone has reached out to you and they remembered something, that it was a big day or that there was a lot of pressure at work or pressure at school, and you're like, wow, I think they actually listened when I talked to them. Well, we can be that kind of friend. It's so important to be present, to be focused, and the power of just following up. And then I want to just close with why listening is really many times the most Christ-like thing we can possibly do. You know, when we talk about discovering people's stories, let's not forget that that means discover their stories, not telling them your story. Uh, this is a, from a little book, and uh, it is a great little book, especially if you've got some friends that are really dealing with grief, and it's called A View from the Hearse, and it's by Joseph Bailey. Uh, Joseph Bailey and his wife had seven children, Three of those children died uh, before they reached junior high age, and two of them died in freak accidents. One of them actually died in a sledding accident. So he wrote this little book entitled A View from the Hearse because through the pain, he wanted others to know the lessons that he learned from people who helped him and actually people that didn't help at all. And I want to read just a little excerpt because uh, it has moved me for years. I was sitting, torn in grief. Someone came. They talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things that I knew were true. I was unmoved except to wish he had gone away. And then another friend came, and he sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more. He listened, and when I said something, he answered briefly 
prayed simply and left. I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. That's the kind of friend I want to be. And I hope that's the kind of friend you want to be. I was at a funeral uh, a few years ago, and uh, this older gentleman was in front of me, and he walked up to the widow, and he said, well, it could be worse. And I thought, how could it be worse? Seriously. But I thought, how many times people struggle, they just think, I've got to say something, and then they say the wrong thing. You know, I don't mean it bad, but when you've lost somebody you loved, you don't need to hear they're in a better place. Okay, they're in a better place. But really, actually, I wish, they, I wish they were still right here. You know the best thing you can do? Just listen. Just be there. Be present. And that's how we become the kind of friends that Christ was to the world. Really, that's the challenge today. It's a very simple, but yet it's a profound challenge, is that we become like Christ that we become present in people's life, and that we begin to just listen. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, as we go into this week, uh, we're going to have opportunities. Uh, there's going to be family and friends, and um, Lord, we're going to realize they just need someone who will just take time uh, to be present, someone willing to just sit at the table with them, and somebody to just listen. We just thank you for your example. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that await us. And Lord, help us to be prepared and help us to be like you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.